This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball! Turn, picks a flow! And touchdown is frozen over. of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby! Hello and welcome to the next episode of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Steve Geller alongside Jeff Nowak sharing our takes on New Orleans Saints football preseason game numero uno this weekend with the Saints playing at Houston. Jeff, are you more excited hey. for our pregame show? Uh, first take, 3 p.m. Saturday on WWL Radio or seeing the Saints unleash the Northern Iowa assassin Trevor Penning on the Texans. I'm going to be completely honest. I had completely forgotten that I was going to be on the pregame show until you brought it up. So thank you for the reminder. Now I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. The game will be kind of boring, but there's going to be a lot to talk about coming out of it, actually, because, and we're going to get into this, the running back battle Exactly. Preseason is going to be fascinating. We're probably not going to see Alvin Kamara or Mark Ingram, but those aren't the guys I need to see. I need to see everybody else. We're going to get into that in the second segment today. We're going to kind of rank who we think is kind of uh, at what level in that kind of four-way race for the third running back spot. Um, And I'd wrap up Alvin Kamara now. Put him away. You think you think he's going to make it? You think he's going to make the roster, Alvin? He's he's made it, and I don't need to see any more. I, I think he's proven that he's he's got yeah, that. Wrap him in bubble wrap and uh, move on. But yeah, and but before that, we're going to get into a lot about Mike Thomas. Big week, big week for Mike Thomas. Uh, a lot of steps forward. We're going to talk about uh, Tyron Matthew getting into team drills today. That was big. We're going to talk about a beef that has been squashed. We can put it to bed. No one's no one's mad at each other. They're just they're just boys being boys. They're fighting, and then and then they're fine with it. And we're going to talk about that. We talked to Trevor. Pen- we, we didn't talk to Trevor Penning. We talked to Peyton Turner today. It's I have a hard time getting those names right because they have opposite initials. You have you have PT and TP, right? And you're flipping them in your There's head. There's a nickname there. They're going to be best friends, and it's going to be great. So we're going to get into that. And in the in the final segment, we're going to we're going to ask the the burning question that I'm not sure we're going to get an answer to uh, before the end of training camp. Should the Saints pay 
Should the Saints break the bank, rather, for C.J. Gardner-Johnson, for the quote-unquote top slot corner in the NFL? I say quote-unquote because that's what he told us he was. Um, And we're going to get into a lot of that. But first, okay, let's break down what we saw from Michael Thomas this week. And a lot of the fans saw it, too, because it really started on Friday with Mike Thomas getting into one-on-one reps for the first time as we record this, it was a day ago and he finally got into those one-on-one reps. He had previously worked in seven on sevens, then got a day off. And we were talking, we keep, I I keep asking DA, you know, okay, what's the latest, what's the latest, what's the latest. And uh, this is the second time now that he has said pretty soon or soon and soon has meant tomorrow morning. Um, So keep that in mind. Which is a big difference actually from Sean Payton, because I remember sooner rather than later with Jarius bird kept going on forever. Yeah, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it because when someone says soon and they don't give you an actual date or time, you hope that it's soon. And that it's been established that when Dennis says soon, it's tomorrow morning because he took took part in one on ones. We asked him about it afterward, and he said, you know, he's really encouraged with what he's seen. And you know, Saturday morning we all got out there and we're like, okay, let's see how much work Michael Thomas gets in. And not only was he in one on ones, not only was he in seven on sevens, he was in every single team session for the day and when you look at a guy who's just had training wheels on this entire camp thus far and we haven't seen in more than a year in a competitive football game man that's just so so confidence building yeah i told you it was coming sooner rather than later right <laughs> yeah, what did you see from him and how, how how confidence building is that for him to just be able to get that done this early yeah look i think good you know look Honestly, there's a couple times he ended up on the ground. I think that's that's all part of the process and building that confidence. You know, um, I think he's in a good mindset right now. I think he looks good physically. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about where he's at. Uh, so is there anything that stood out to you in that answer from D.A., uh, Steve? Uh, definitely about, you know, Thomas going to the ground. Yep. Uh, was huge just because of the, the physicality, obviously, being able to take the the hits and actually playing football, not just running routes and being able to cut, but the physicality of the game as well. Right. There's a point where the training wheels have to come off. The bubble wrap has to come off and you just have to trust that this guy can go play football and not get hurt, you know? Uh, And that's always to me, the most difficult part of trying to bring someone back from injury, because there's a mental element there where you're just not comfortable with your own body. You're not comfortable with the fact that you can stay healthy. And he did, he, because he took some hits. They were not intentional, um, there's a, there was a point that he was going up against Quentin Meeks, who's a player that the Saints signed today, uh, all after a tryout, he was wearing number 43 <laughs> and they got kind of tangled up in a seven on seven rep. And Mike went down, uh, as he went up to catch the ball and he got taken to the ground. And, uh, it was like, man, if, <laughs> you gotta be imagining like Pete Carmichael's over there. He's like, if number 43 hurts Mike Thomas on the first day, he is gone. <laughs> like <laughs> he does not have the clout to injure a receiver and uh, survive on this roster. So you had to imagine like, and, and Quentin knows that. <laughs> like you had to imagine when they went down, he was just like, had his, had his football life flash before his eyes. He finally gets a chance. He's a USFL guy to come and do an NFL roster. And the first thing he does is, you know, accidentally tackle, tackle Mike Thomas. Um, but he was fine. But, but like and, you but, said, that's part of it. That's part of the, the game itself. There, there has to be that physicality element and, and taking off the training wheels. We've seen them, doing the quote-unquote ramping up process with Mike T. For and, and yeah. yeah, and but they're from what happened in 
the past with the whether it's miscommunication with the team, the setbacks from the surgery. I think that they've done everything since the start of training camp has been above where I thought Michael Thomas would have been. So I, I think there, there's definitely been a huge positive with him this entire camp. Yeah, and I mean, we went. It, it, it feels like he's been off the field longer than he has been in terms of like, okay, he wasn't out there for OTAs, he wasn't out there for minicamp. And I think there was re- reasonable concern that, that those absences would leak into camp. And the fact that they haven't, you know, he's had two two scheduled rest days. He had three days on and a rest day. He had another three days on and a rest day. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see him get another rest day next week. And I think that's going to continue. I don't think that part of the ramp-up process is over. Um, but, you know, it's funny because, you know, Mike got up. He was fine after that hit. And like I said, Quentin probably had his life flash before his eyes. But, you know, you had DA coming out and being, it's a, yeah, that's a good thing. It's a good thing that he's that he's getting the feel for contact and, you know, so he can get comfortable in that ankle. He's taking routes out of bounds. He's being physical with defensive backs. And we're still grading him on a curve. It kind of struck me today. He had he didn't have a great day of practice in terms of, like, execution. I think he was, you know, this is the first full practice he's gone through, and I think he might have been dragging a little bit by the end of it. But, like, you know, he had a ball, hit him on the hands, and kind of deflect away, and he, he ended up catching it. But that's not a, you know, if you're Mike Thomas in practice, you know that you, he's – he's walking away like, you know, cursing at himself because that's just not up to his standard. He got, he got clamped by Bradley Roby uh, downfield. It was a physical play and Bradley got the better of him. Um, and then James just dumped it off to Camara. you know, then I think if you, if you had this practice in 2019, Mike would say it was a terrible day. Um, and, you know, down the road, you might want to see him execute better on some of these routes. But but that's just not what we're going to talk about right now because, you know, the the most important thing, the only thing that matters is getting him back on the field. And once you do that, then you can start to worry about the results. Do you think we see him preseason game number one? Absolutely or do you, not. Or do you, I was going to say you even hold him back more. I don't think he's even dressed for preseason game one. I don't think we see him on the field I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see him on the field at all in the preseason. You might see him get a few snaps in one of the games. Um, I, would think kind of get wa- I would think you'd want to, and he would want to as well. Obviously, I mean, you've seen how they've operated. You've seen how they've operated. The, like, the ramp-up period would, would have to be one of the preseason games. I, I, I don't need to see like a guy like Kamara. I know what he's got already and is ready to we go. Know, we know what Mike's got. Well, we just don't want to see him get hurt in the preseason when, in a game that doesn't matter. I just want to see him get acclimated more to football speed and being more of that physical guy he can be. I mean, I think he's going to be less involved week one, maybe week two, than he would be normally. But that's part of the reason you brought in Jarvis. So you can have that kind of premier, you know, possession receiver that lets you be a little patient with Mike Thomas. I don't think you see him for more than maybe one series the entire preseason. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm was i not saying you're going to play him like a whole quarter, but I would definitely want him at least to get in a series just just to get back into the field because it's, it's been, it has been so long for him. For sure. You know, one guy who I think we will see in the preseason um, is Tyron Matthew, who he's another guy who got into full 11s today. Um, and, you know, he's a veteran. He's a guy who you probably – you know, I say today we're recording this on Saturday, just to be clear. He's a guy who 
you probably would say, you know, he doesn't need to play in the preseason in, in most seasons. This year, I don't think that's true. I think you need to get him on the field with Marcus May so that you can start to build that that communication, that kind of that kind of camaraderie in the secondary. Because, you know, we saw a couple of years ago when the Saints brought in Malcolm Jenkins and he was trying to he was trying to kind of gel with Marcus Williams. If you remember the early in the 2020 season, he was just big play after big play after big play. The Chargers game stands out where, you know, Mike Mike Williams was just just dunking on him. And uh that's something you don't want to see this year. The Saints need to start well, I think, this season. And you can't be trying to make up for 70-yard bombs over the top of your head. You know, and I think that these are two veteran players. They'll they'll gel. They'll coalesce pretty quickly. But you do want to see them in the preseason and get that kind of live game. Like, I think seeing that in live game action is far more important than, you know, trying to get some reps out of Mike Thomas because that's just – a huge part of the secondary that's changing. You don't know what it's going to look like and you need to see it in game action. That was definitely something for me heading into this camp that was high on my list of things I wanted to see was the, just the communication going on in the secondary because of how locked down I felt when Malcolm Jenkins came in along, you know, his work obviously with Marcus Williams and just getting everybody in that secondary on the same page because you were messing it mentioned those so many long ball opportunities, the busted plays, busted coverage was we're seeing guys having their hands up, you know, you know, pointing at one another kind of thing. And right. I, I felt like him retiring was, a, was a big, bigger hit than maybe most people realize because of that aspect, not just obviously the talent on the field, but also the leadership and communication to everybody. But I, I loved what uh, Terran Matthew was saying that, you know, he knows he's got, to, to get on the same page with these guys. And one of the things is that he learned um, from his days in, with the Arizona Cardinals playing with guys like Patrick Peterson and Calais Campbell over there was that bond not only on the field, but off of it. Off and field, that, yeah. that, that's so key too. And I, and I, I know that, that that's going to be really something that is going to take time, obviously, but I'm pretty confident they're going to get on the same page. But you, you definitely want to see that in the preseason because it is fresh we got two new starting safeties yeah i think it i think you make a good point which it kind of feels like you know malcolm jenkins retiring you just slot tyrant in there and and you're fine but you know that's a more significant change than that you know it's it's not just because tyrant is a 10-year veteran doesn't mean that that kind of just camaraderie is there from the jump you know you got to build that we're not even talking about obviously you know everyone says the honey badger is this i'm not going to say he's not better at taking the football away to Malcolm Jenkins, but it's just the bond, the, the the camaraderie and just knowing, knowing that guy next to you so well that you kind of steps ahead. Like you, it's, you're, you're both playing chess instead of checkers out there, obviously. They're also Everybody. different players. I mean, they're, you know, Malcolm later in his career, at least was more of a pounder. He's more of a, more of a strong safety. Right. And so you don't have those defined roles this year. And that's going to be another thing that you want to figure out is, uh, as as DA says, and it's a buzzword, multiplicity. You know, you're going to see Tyron and Marcus both playing strong, both playing free, not at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? They're gonna they're gonna switch back and forth, try to confuse the offense a little bit, try to gain an edge. And I think that's something you gotta you gotta practice. You gotta work on that. Um, one guy we have not seen out at camp, and I also would be stunned if we see him in any preseason games, is Marcus Davenport. We actually heard from Ryan Nielsen today, and he had. Um, I don't want to say an answer. <laughs> I don't want to say a timeline, but he said words. An inkling. Um, 
And and to be fair, before we get into this, Marcus Davenport has been working. We have seen him. He's doing his he's rehabbing, quote unquote rehabbing. They say it's more about conditioning than health, which is good. And I think you're just trying to get him healthy uh, and make sure you get to the season with him healthy. Um, but this is what Ryan Nielsen said, had to say today on uh, on Marcus and when to when we might expect him back. And I, I know we haven't seen Marcus Davenport yet, but yeah. what work is he putting behind the scenes to get ready? And how close is he just in terms of the preparation part that he's ready? So I'll answer the first one, not the second one. All right, so the first one, he's he is doing everything that is asked of him. Um, you know, I see him in the weight room. I see him on the field. You know, he's, he's getting back. Um, but I don't – I'm not going to – answer the second part of the question but he's doing what he needs to do and he'll be back when he's supposed to be back he'll be back when he is supposed to be back week one at atlanta does that mean (laughs) does it mean week one i guess it does that's what Um, he should be supposed to be back for training camp well what do i know um but and and i'm 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 kidding but you know ryan ryan gave an excellent interview today. We haven't, that's one of the first times we've gotten to talk to him since he kind of ascended into that role. So I don't want to give him too much grief, but that's kind of a tough answer on, on what exactly we're looking at. Like he's doing all the work he's asked, but you know, they won't tell us what work he's asked. They won't give us a timeline. So we're kind of just sitting here waiting. I think he's going to be fine. Um, yes, we're going to have to wait for Dennis Allen to tell us sooner rather than later. And then he'll yes. be there the next day. <laughs> yeah. Once Dennis says soon, then we can start throwing the party because he'll be on the field the next morning. That's uh, that's that's what we've learned. Um, but we did see Marcus today. We've seen him at camp. He's doing conditioning work, so he's engaged. It's it could be worse. I've been saying I've been saying for a while now. It kind of feels like if you can get seventeen games combined out of Peyton Turner and Marcus Davenport, that's a win. And because you know you have 17 out of Cam on the other side. <laughs> if you can get like nine out of Peyton, eight out of Cam, Marcus, <laughs> I think that's I think that's a win for um, how the Saints have, yes, uh, and as Austin says, don't forget the ramp-up period. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, who knows? Yeah, well, he's going to come back week one. He's going to be like in one snap and like, oh, we're done. Anyway, no. Um, another, another guy too, uh, what we're seeing from Carl Grandison is somebody that's definitely going to be pushing for some of those uh, snaps on rushing the passer for sure because uh, I, f- I feel like every uh, every practice he's he's someone that for sure you're taking a note on or stand that that's standing out with his rush. Yes, and his favorite restaurant is Bobby Hebert's. Yes, we actually we interviewed him yesterday and uh, and Bobby actually talked to him about that because he said that last year it was it was during his interview last year he's talking about how he was bulking up and eating at this cool restaurant called Bobby Hebert's and meanwhile Bobby Abear is standing right next to him just laughing um and we talked to him yesterday and and Bobby brought it up cuz he didn't he never figured out that that was the case <laughs> and it was like you saw the look on his face was like he was like starstruck it was hilarious um, he had Bobby Hebert right there yeah the great Bobby Hebert right in front of me um, his favorite dish is the Mardi Gras pasta. Anyway, good choice. Good choice. Um, but yeah, Carl has been excellent. And I, I think that when we look back at kind of Marcus being absent and Peyton missing a few days early in camp, uh, Peyton Turner, you know, him being able to get those first team reps will be valuable because I think he's going to, yeah. you're going to need to count on him at points throughout the season. Um, but speaking of Peyton Turner, we have squashed the beef. Okay. There's no beef. First three days of practice this week, and we talked about it in the last pod extensively, we had fisticuffs. We had malarkey. We had anger. Anger. 
just anger, pain. It was bad. Um, Aggression. It was not the case the last three days of camp. DA just lit. <laughs> he lit into him. <laughs> he was mad. Uh, and he, I'm sure he let Trevor have it in the locker room. I'm sure he let Malcolm Roach have it in the locker room. Um, to their credit, you know, JT Gray, who was one of the guys that got in a fight with Trevor that was on Tuesday, um, he brushed it off. It's like, this is just, you know, this is what happens. It's football. Um, Trevor kind of said the same thing about Peyton Turner. And we got to talk about, got to talk to Peyton Turner today. So, you know, I made sure to ask him and, you know, he just laughed it off. And, and like, this is like, like people are going to make a huge deal out of this. They did. Trevor Penning now has this reputation for being this, just this boy, which, you know, I guess he already had, and I guess that's not the worst reputation to have as an offensive lineman. You want that kind of edge, but like everyone's talking about him. Pat McAfee's talking about it. Pat McAfee loved it, by the way. Um, you know, it's like this national story that Trevor Penning is fighting people in practice. Um, and uh, so this is what this is what Peyton Turner had to say on the subject today when I asked him about it. So Peyton, just to you know, get to the elephant in the room. Obviously, the dust up with you and Trevor yeah. made some waves. You know, what what happened there? From what you can explain, and how is that? Oh, uh, we're just competing. Uh, that's how it gets out here, especially in pads, especially in the trenches. Uh, you know, everybody knows that. Uh, camps long, camps hard, uh, camps physical. So uh, it's just. Nothing big, just, you know, just two guys competing. Nothing big, though. And were you kind of surprised that probably, like, more people were talking about it? Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say surprised. I thought it was funny. But, uh, you know, that's just as Trevor. But, I mean, he's just competing, uh, playing, playing hard, and uh, just a learning just a learning element to it as well. But seeing it a little bit prior to us getting pads on, that he was, uh, you know, through all the way through the whistle. But, I mean, that's just him competing. Uh I'm just playing hard, so it is. It is what it is. I don't think it's any big deal. Just like I said, just an aspect of learning to practice with you know your teammates. And I think I think that last bit was was the the biggest kernel of truth in in that in that answer. You know, I, I do think genuinely that none of these players are mad at each other. I think uh, you know they got the point they needed to get across. They're not going to back down from each other. Whatever. Um, but that last sentence, you know, it's it's a learning thing. It's learning how to practice with your teammates. Right. And because the, the issue was not, okay, Trevor is doing anything that would get you thrown out of a game or even get you a penalty in a game. He's just blocking his teammates like their opponents. And your, your, your teammates are going to take umbrage to that because they don't want to be put in situations where they could get hurt in practice. And if you're Peyton Turner, you missed a a vast majority of your rookie season trying to deal with with injuries trying to get healthy and the last thing you want to be dealing with is another just stupid injury early in camp because this 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 jagweed rookie is just trying to prove a point <laughs> you know and so that's why you get you get heated you get on the field but Peyton if you I've talked to Peyton a few times now you know I talked to him in the offseason I talked to him in mini camp I talked to him now he is the, one of the most easygoing, you know, personalities you'll ever find. Like when I asked him about it, he's just this huge smile across his face. Like he does not care uh, about this fight any more than he has to. And I, mean, I think we can just stop talking about it now. I think with Peyton Turner, though, it's like everybody secretly likes the bad guy and they want to see more kind of thing uh, with him. Obviously, I think it is funny. You look at social media, there's so many fight videos going around about Peyton Turner. And I really think that, you know, we see, we hear about Michael Thomas practicing like he plays. So the, we're seeing that also from Peyton Turner. So it's kind of, 
it's hard for him to take it down that notch, even though it is you're going against your own teammates. I understand, obviously, where he's coming from because you're taking every rep like that Super Bowl rep kind of deal, and he's giving it his all, and that's just his game. That's why I'm really looking forward, obviously, to the joint practices against the Packers to see what Penning. See how many there. people try to fight Trevor Penning? Exactly, it's going to be like NFL Fight Club in Green Bay. And I think he'll get he'll get applauded if that's the case. Right, sure. Everyone will be like, okay, who can gang up and take the big guy down? Well, we're going to hit the break on that note. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the running backs that aren't named Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, because there are a lot of them. And I still don't know what to make of it. Stick around. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back for another segment of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller alongside Jeff Nowak. And we see a running back competition. We know that. Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram are basically your number one, two guys. But after that, there's a lot of questions, obviously, this, well, who's going to be that third guy? And I think for a while we were kind of wondering who's, who's going to be the guy to step up when Kamara has to serve the suspension. But that, that seems like it's kind of on the back burner now. And a lot of folks are even, not a lot of folks, but it's been mentioned that this could even possibly carry over into next season for AK. Yes, that's definitely true. Um, but you have to plan for it. You can't just assume it's not going to happen. Right. And, you know, even if that's the plan, even if AK and AK's camp are trying to track it out, which I think is probably what's going on, because I think if you're the Saints, you have, you know, if you're the Saints, if you're Alvin, if you're at DA, you want to make sure that this first season of a new head coaching era does not have the significant disadvantage of not having your star running back for six games. Um, and you already have to plan some kind of injury adjustment in there because you know running backs get hurt so that's not what you want to deal with but you mentioned fast start last set like last segment and that's so key obviously first three games boom nfc south opponent so you have to come out the gates on fire yeah and the nfc south is probably the weakest uh, of the opponents that you're going to get so you got to beat those teams but so the running backs that we have kind of to consider here so and even when i talked to divine today he kind of he kind of put this in there which is like RB1 is set. You got Alvin. RB2 is set. You got Mark. RB4 is set. Right. That's true. You have Dwayne Washington. He's going to be on the roster. So there is one spot, and it's going to be RB3. And that's literally – and if you're wondering whether that is the case, whether the team understands that, Devine literally said that. He said the RB3 spot. And that's what they're competing for because you're assuming they're going to keep four players. So the names that you have to consider, Malcolm Brown – veteran signed right before training camp tony jones jr tjj the owner of two dogs um <laughs> and two drops uh divine Zigbo, a guy who seems to be back every year but never makes the roster and 
Abram Smith, the UDFA out of Baylor, who just likes to run over people. Um, and you just kind of have to make a decision between one of those four guys. So you look at how are you going to separate yourself? And you're going to, that's why the preseason games are going to be so massive because that's, that's your moment. That's your moment to actually do that. And uh, the, I talked to divine about that today to kind of get his read on it, because I can sit here and tell you all day that these guys are going to be stressing and trying to, and trying to put their best foot forward in these preseason games, because it could be what makes or breaks their spot on this roster. But I'll just let, um, I'll let divine tell you for himself. Yeah, the top of depth are obviously Alvin and Mark, you know, but behind them, I feel like there's a really steep competition for just kind of depth spots. And so when you go into the preseason, how do you approach that? Because it, it, does it feel kind of like, you know, okay, this is my chance to really showcase why I should be on the roster? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, that three spot that you're kind of talking about is going to have to do. And these games are going to be a great way to see if, you know, that guy that can fill that spot. Because, you know, just to try to make the plays that are available to me, just make the most of them. But there's things that I need to do on special teams, things that I need to do catching the ball, run blocking, or blocking and running, just making sure when those opportunities come, I display the best of my ability. Is that a situation where you can kind of get in your own head, too, where you kind of just want to go out there and do your thing, but, you know, if you put too much on it and you start, you know, pressing, is that something that can happen? I mean, it's definitely always, uh, it's always something you have to manage, you know what I mean? Like, because, you know, you want to do great. Everybody puts a lot of pressure on themselves to be as successful as we know we can be. So getting out there and trying to do it every single time, if you let that, sit on you it could be a, a, a hindering factor but you just got to know go out there do your best play free and then those good players will come when the opportunities are just take advantage and that's kind of where i think that divine has a significant advantage over abram smith and tony jones jr in the showcase element because this isn't going to phase him you know this he's done this He's competed for a roster spot in the preseason. He's He was very good for the Saints in the preseason when they brought him in as a UDFA. I, I think that was the 28, 2019 season. You know, he, he, he looked good in those games. He played well enough that the Jags picked him up on waivers. So right. I think he's a guy who is going, to, is going to surprise some people who might not think that he is, is going to be as competitive for this roster spot uh, as he will be. Um, one note I will make is this guy has these the biggest arms on a running back I've ever seen. Swole, it's it's for crazy. Sure. You could put him up there with uh, a Jamal Lewis. Yeah, yeah. And Ahmad Bradshaw comes to mind, Thomas Jones. So, like guys with arms Thomas that are Jones way bigger than sure. they have to be. Oh, man. You know, Thomas Jones, who's now an actor, apparently. Um, I think he's got his own actually workout videos, too, if you want to get swole like Thomas Jones, because, yeah, he's got some pretty amazing biceps, obviously. I think he was in the second season of Luke Cage. I think that's that's where I saw him last. Really? He's like, he's oh, actually, man, yeah, he's an actor that. now. And I, I remember when he showed up and I was like, wait, is that Thomas Jones, <laughs> the football player? Um, but yeah, but yeah, Devon Zigbo is the new bicep king of the NFL. Um, and And what I keep reminding people is not only is he a big dude, you know, he's the biggest running back on the roster, and that includes Ingram and Kamara. He's probably, you know, behind Kamara, the second best receiving running back on the roster. Yeah, I was going to say, um, we've seen more of his talents as a receiver, I feel, than a running back. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the question I have is, can he run between the tackles? And I think, you know, he's big enough to do that. It's just a question of whether he can. But I, I he's a guy who I'm excited to see in the preseason because everyone wants to talk about Abram Smith. Everyone remembers Tony Jones from last year. 
And I think that he's a guy who is ready to kind of prove his worth. He's only 25. He's young. And the Saints keep bringing him back. Um, but, you know, obviously there are other guys here, right? And I'm, I'm curious what your impression has been of Abram Smith throughout the first, you know, two weeks of camp. The, the Those three backs really have been all, all close. And I, like you mentioned, be, between the preseason games, even the, the dual workouts, the joint workouts with the Packers, I just want to see him more going against another team because it's it's not you're not seeing a full thud what at practice with these guys so it's not you don't have the same impact of, of knowing really what abram smith's power can do but i want to i want to see him truck somebody on the houston texans or green bay packers because i know he's not going to do that in practice here i like that a full thud you're not getting a full thud <laughs> not, the only guy i've seen give a, give a full thud has been smoke monday and unfortunately he's not around anymore so exactly yeah. see what happens when you give him full thuds when you're not supposed to be we need those heavy thudders but no in that and that's kind of what you know we're gonna have i i've been able to talk to all four of these guys over the last couple of weeks um and we talked to abram today and that was kind of what i asked him about was you he know, sounds like a seasoned vet already for the young, the young kid he does he, he he presents himself well he answers questions well and you know what i kind of asked him about was you know He's a guy who he might, he's not going to shine in the early practices the way that he probably will toward the end because he's a physical back. He wants to lean on you. He wants to make you feel him. He's and, a former linebacker. Right, right. He was a <laughs> linebacker at Baylor. And then he switched over to running back for his senior season and he set records. Uh, like he wants to go through you. And he can't do that in unpadded practices. And once the pads come on, things seem to change for him a little bit. And he has really good balance. His vision is what I might question a little bit. I think that he's been slow to identify some holes um, just so far in camp. And that's not unusual for a rookie running back. You know, I don't think that's that's a slight to him. I think it's just reality. Um, and and so we're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of handles that with full blocking with guys actually trying to tackle him. But uh, this is what this is what Abram had to say uh, today when I asked him about that. It's such a physical, you know, brand of runner. Is is it a different game for you when the pads are on versus when the pads are off? It's definitely a different type of game. Uh, with the pads off, of course, you gotta. It's like thug tempo. You kind of gotta slow it down. But when the pads come on, you can, you know, duck that shoulder down on somebody and kind of give somebody a speeding bullet is what we like to call in the room. And I mean, you kind of. I think for me, that's where everybody kind of just comes out and like who who's real and who's fake. And um, it's when the pads come on for me. It's a different type of uh, different type of feeling. Did there was there anything in that in that answer that stood out to you? I, I just think that it's hard it's hard to practice without without pads at that position along with you know your offensive linemen defensive line. Uh, we, we've heard it so many times before. F- football is in pads and yeah, the, not the, not in the, uh, not in panties as Elante Taylor calls them. Or, or yeah, what Dennis Allen was saying, you're you know underwear. Yes, but uh, yeah, Alant- Tay Taylor, by the way, he wants to be called Tay. Um, he referred to them as like shirts and panties, which. <laughs> well, yeah, because it didn't even laugh. I couldn't tell if he was making a joke or not. You, you know, even even just having your pads on is a different experience from catching like a football a foot- player. From, yeah. yeah from, from even just just running routes and catching is going to be different for me. It's a lot more cumbersome, obviously. So it's there's a lot more to it. There's a lot. There's a lot of different feels that you get uh, f- from being in full pads, but I just think that 
these running backs will get so much more, obviously, in the preseason games uh, because, because it's going to be a full go. You're full live instead of it being any kind of restraint from any guys. No doubt. Um, so there were two things that stood out to me specifically in that. One, the term speeding bull, which I haven't heard before, but I'm going to start using. CEC in red. Yes. I'm going to give you a speeding bull next time I see you. Uh, I'm going to practice up in Bozeman. I'm going to come back and, and tackle you full speed. Um, but the second one was <laughs> when the pads come on, you find out who's real and who's fake, <laughs> which right. I wonder who's fake. <laughs> Cause it sounds like someone's fake. I don't know who it is, but uh, no, I just think I, it's another way of saying too, you know, you separate for the men from the boys kind of deal, but that, right. That's for real. You you could look great in just your shorts, but when your pads come on and people yeah. start like Trevor Penning, you start pushing and shoving, you're getting physical. It's a lot different. But 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 right. So it's like it's like the term separating the men from the boys. Except in this case, you have boys that are pretending to be men. <laughs> well, I, think- I just think it's funny. I thought it was a really interesting way for him to phrase that answer. And like it's basically, I think that's his mentality, right? He wants to show you that you are not tough enough to tackle him. Right at full speed with pads on, um, and I think he is he's ready. He wants that moment, you know. So that's why I'm kind of I'm really excited. I'm not usually excited for preseason football, but I think that kind of position battle is there's going to be aspects. really exciting. Yeah, there's definitely like you said when you can break it down that way, and you're looking at positions, and you're seeing yeah, a lot of young score. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Who cares? But you want to see these position battles we've been that everybody's been talking about at training camp. Uh, actually in, a, in that live game situation because you could be, you know, we, we joke around at practice that you might be a Metairie all-star, but can, mm. can you do it when the, the lights are on and the cameras are rolling kind of deal? Because it, it is a lot different. We've, we've seen that so many times before when everybody's talking about somebody at camp and then they just don't show up come game time. So the guy in, yeah, they don't show up come game time. We kind of saw that last year with, with the third guy on this list. And that's a guy I really like. I enjoy talking to him. He gives really good answers in interviews. And he was really impressive last year throughout training camp is Tony Jones Jr. I mean, he made Latavius Murray expendable. Bye-bye, like, right. You didn't just cut Latavius Murray. You, you, you Latavius got outplayed. Latavius was not the second best option to keep on the roster. And the Saints got rid of him because Tony was that good. And I was all in on the hype t- train for Tony Jones Jr. last year. He's built like a fire hydrant. He has he has good vision. He can cut. He's got speed. Um, the question I that I had throughout camp has been, can he catch? And uh, he did not display um, a uh, very attractive skill set early in camp. You know, he had two really bad drops. I think he can catch. It's more about concentration than than the ability to catch a football, but you know, that's just not the foot you want to put forward. That's, that's not where you want to be after a week of camp. And, um, but the, you know, he has stacked a few really impressive days. He had a gorgeous, gorgeous catch on a wheel route yesterday or on Friday. Um, And I think that he has, he's kind of picked up his stock a lot closer to where Abram and, divine are in my eyes and over the last few days heading into the first preseason game yes so i think abram's probably got the toughest path path obviously as the undrafted free agent 
the guy that hasn't been in the system. Both these guys know Pete Carmichael Jr. a little more, have been in the – have some NFL experience uh, as well. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to see, like I said, I think it, it really comes down to a Zigbo – or Tony Jones Jr. for that third spot. I think they'll try and stash you think a guy so? like Abram Smith on the practice squad. Yeah. Well, that's the tough part, is can you stash him on the practice squad if you wanted to? And I'm not sure you could. I, I guess depending, yeah, what we see in the preseason for sure. I mean, it's like every, you know, they Boston Scott, Abram Smith, or uh, Divine a couple of years ago. Like, I think that the Saints have a pretty good track record for bringing in depth at the running back position. And so, so other teams are aware of that, and they're going to start looking. Um, and you know, if, and, and other teams are going to be needing that depth. And if one of these guys shows off in the preseason and doesn't make the roster, that's where you start to wonder if, you know, other teams are going to come calling. It um, sounds like we're both kind of like, we're not in the Malcolm Brown camp. And I think he's a guy that definitely you, you might keep on the short list just in case kind of emergency. But yeah, I think he ends up not with the team after camp. Yeah. I mean, Malcolm Brown is Malcolm Brown. You know, by this point in his career, you know what he is. He he said early when we talked to him uh, last week, right, you know, after he got signed, that he's aging like a fine wine. That's a direct quote. I, I'm not sure. I think he's aging. <laughs> I don't know how good the wine is. I think he can still play. I just think there's too much upside with some of the younger guys. Right. Um, that it would be a shame to, to, to cut them loose. Um, and not give them an opportunity to kind of grow into that role. Um, you know, the way, the way you've allowed other guys to do it over the years. Um, and I think having a guy like Malcolm around um, throughout the preseason is really valuable to some of these younger guys, but I don't see him as a serious contender to make, to make the roster. What I will say for Malcolm is he's incredible balance. I don't think I've seen him at the ground once. They're like every, every time he goes through, you know, he'll get, he'll get hit. He'll get bounced around. He always keeps his feet. And we saw that in the Superdome in 2018 when he had that kind of tightrope touchdown over Marcus Williams, definitely not missing a tackle. And, you know, that's that's something he does uh, really well. And, you know, maybe he does. Maybe he shows goes shows up in the preseason and just balls out and makes it so you just can't cut him. You just but make a low-key Marcus a Williams dig? Huh? You just did like a little low-key Marcus Williams dig? Oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Marcus Williams has never missed a tackle in his life. He's the greatest tackler of all time. The Saints won a Super Bowl because he never missed a tackle. Just kidding. That was still one of the the oddest plays, obviously, to to witness. Yeah, (laughs) we don't need to talk about that. Um, But, yeah, so if you had to handicap this right now, you would put Tony Jones – who would you put – who would you pick? If you had to pick it today – actually, no, no, let's phrase that differently. Who is your prediction – for who will make that? Who who will make the roster in that? Out of those four guys, assuming they keep four running backs, which they might not. I, I would say that they're going to continue their their development at Tony Jones Jr. I think I, I would go with. Um, I know that the question is obviously his receiving ability, but I think that uh, we heard Dennis Allen talk a little bit about him and saying that obviously he's a young kid that they believe in and they're trying to uh, move him along in the process. And I know he, he dealt with that ankle injury last year, so we'll see. I'm hoping to see more from him in this role. And I might, I'm a l- little biased, too, because I have him on my dynasty fantasy team. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to be starting him, even if he makes the roster. But I, I do think so. I actually asked about his receiving ability because I've been talking so much 
trash about this receiving uh, over the last few days. So I felt like I should at least get an answer from him before I continue talking about it. And this is what he had to say about uh, his receiving. Ability. I've always been a receiver out the back backfield, but nobody just you know, never thought to ask me could I do it. So, uh, so yeah, so now, I mean, like now Coach C sees it, so now I get to show what I can do. And, like, you know, like, you know, I just got to keep taking stuff from Mike T's game, from Jarvis' game, all of them, and just try to try to put it in my toolbox. No one asked me to do it. No one asked him. <laughs> I'm the greatest receiver on the team, and then no one asked me to catch the ball. He's, he's getting um, pointers from Mike T. To his credit, to his credit, he has he has excelled since that rough day. He's had a lot of really nice runs. We all really have nice bad moments. days, right? Yeah, I mean, we all have bad days, yeah, exactly. And but in the, in the wheel route he ran, it was I think it was Andy Dalton that threw the ball. Um, it was gorgeous. It was over the shoulder, perfect catch. You know, and he said that he's been working on it, uh, like off to the side. He didn't want anyone to be watching just in case he messed up. Um, which is that's that's why I enjoyed talking to Tony because he just he's a funny guy. Um, but yeah, and and I think that he can catch the ball. I think it's a confidence thing and it's a concentration thing. Um, and you know. Tony has struck me as a guy who, when he's confident, when he believes in himself, he can get it done. But that confidence isn't always there. It does get shaken. And um, you know, if if he can if he can continue his his run like he did last year, I could see him making that. But I'm still on the divine Zigbo train. I think that there's a lot there. I think there's a lot to like there. The gun um, show, huh? Yes, not just because he has gigantic biceps, although. Um, No, I just, he, the way he catches the ball just opens up so much for you um, if he has to get in the game. And I, you know, I I think that the thing we're really not, we haven't really talked about is special teams. And, um, you know, I think that if we're trying to rank it on special teams, probably Divine and and, uh, Abram would be the best special teams options in terms of what they can do. Just athletically, their athletic profiles. Malcolm Brown has been working on special teams. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. has been working on special teams too. But I just don't see them impacting that unit um, as much as the other guys. So if it comes down to that, I think you're you're going between those two. And I I I honestly disagree. I think that you could cut Tony and not and not feel too bad about it. I think the upside with Abram is is really exciting, um, and it's not about whether he can be to me a successful NFL running back it's whether it's whether he can do it now you know I think that he's maybe a year away from from really contending for a role and I just don't think you want to you want to give up on him so that's if you're if you're trying to make an argument for, for Abram I think that's it where so you, you have you think he can make the 53 I think he could I think he has to show that ability that kind of between the tackles early down running ability that the Saints need and that they can rely on. And if he can do that, I think that he has a really good chance to make it. If he struggles, if he shows that he's maybe maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe two years from being two years away, then I think Divine is the next guy on that list. And I think that his skill set is going to shine in the preseason. Yeah, that that's going to be the biggest key. It's almost like really for the, the, the running back competition, you need to see them against opponents the, the what, what you see in camp you can see some physicality and like you mentioned before some of the, the things with vision and be able to the cutting ability but that that more physicality and being able to either out juke or uh run over people is going to be more pre- prevalent in 
in the preseason than we're seeing right now in these practices. You realize we just managed to talk for like 22 minutes about a guy who might not get 22 carries this entire season? But, but it's still an important position. Dedication. Yeah, That's I what mean, you get on inside black and gold. And when we come back, we're going to talk about another dedicated 22 and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Stick around. final segment here on inside black and gold make sure to mash that subscribe button rate us five stars give us a review and honestly even if you don't rate five stars if you rate four stars if you rate three stars just tell me why that's the only thing i ask <laughs> if you need answers for some reason tell me what it is and we'll try to fix it that's the only thing that bothers me about the review system is if you don't rate it five is something happened that you want an answer for and you want to change and but i don't know what it is so i can't help you so Help me help you. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Make sure to subscribe, and we'll try to be better. I want to be better. Um, a guy who doesn't think he needs to be better is um, the top slot corner in the NFL by his own admission, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. We've had some interesting developments with him as of late. He is, I don't, I, I, I guess the only way to describe it is holding in. He reported to camp, but he is, quote-unquote, limiting his action in camp as he tries to work toward a new contract. The new development is that he is not with the team. We talked to DA on Saturday about you know where he is. He said that it is not injury-related. It is not contract-related. It is something family-related, and he has been excused from practice, but he will be back on Monday. Take that for what it is. You know He's probably dealing with something, and it really doesn't matter whether he's out for the contract or out for something else. But, you know, we'll find out on Monday if he's back and he's working and, hey, you know, whatever. But it doesn't sound like he's still working toward that deal. And so the question we are asking, should, not will, should the Saints break the bank for C.J. Gardner-Johnson at slot corner? And it's an interesting question because, you know, you're, you're talking about top, paying top dollar for a specialized position right? This is not a guy who's going to play deep safety. This is not a guy who's going to play on the outside. This is a guy who plays exclusively in the slot. And so are you going to pay, you know, what, $15 million a season for that position? I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I just think from a dollars and cents perspective, from a team that's trying to sort out its cap table a little better than it has in the past, I think that's a tough sell. Is, is that the going rate for the top corner slot corner 12? It's tough because it's not a, it's not a position that's right. Re- like you can go through the cornerback, yeah, you yeah. know, pay scale and you can go through the safety pay scale, but you know, there just aren't that many like pure slot corners in the NFL. So you're kind of trying to figure it out. And so he's going to, I think it's going to be the Jimmy Graham debate, right? Remember yeah. Jimmy Graham yeah. wanted right. to be, wanted to be paid like a wide receiver, but he's a tight end. So he's getting paid on that scale. You know, I think you're, you're going to end up with the same situation where CJ is going to want to be paid like a top outside corner. And it, it's just he doesn't play outside corner. So I just don't know where the value is. But I do I do know that CJ is incredibly important to this team and you want to keep him there. Um, I just don't think that, you know, the way they, they extended Marshawn last year, you know, they didn't make him play on that final year of his contract. And I think that's the question right now. 
because you're going to have to pay CJ at a, at a level that is going to convince him that he shouldn't test the free agent market. The, the one big thing the Saints have going against them in this, and I know they really don't care, but I don't think you're going to find a single Saints fan that says, oh, we don't, we don't need C.J. Gardner-Johnson, don't pay him. I, I would think that there's going to be 100% the fans want this guy back, just pay the guy whatever he wants to keep him around. And it's not just because of obviously what he does for you on the field uh, with his play. It's more about the swagger, the attitude, the trash talking, even though he wanted to downplay that part of it when we were talking to him in the OTAs or mini camp session, whatever it was, when he wanted to you know, mention that. You're not, you're not mentioning me amongst the top slot corners in the NFL. It's more about being the instigator, the agitator. But that is a huge part of his game that throws the opposition off and is, and is part of the key. And I think one of the best images from last year was him all up in Tom Brady's face in the field, you know, with, it, with his arm shrugged and, and just kind of like saying, what, what you got, Tom? And it's just that mentality and that attitude that I think that all the Saints fans obviously cherish. And he's a, a, a key part to the team. But I, I like you're mentioning, he's a, a specialized guy and the fact that so much depth and versatility at that secondary position. I joked with it a few times that if you have a hard time in a Madden or a video game trying to construct a better secondary than the Saints team really has this year. No, and this, uh, this, th- I've said this all throughout camp. This is the best secondary that I can remember the Saints having. You know, you can go back and maybe put it up against some others. I, I didn't, I wasn't here for that, so I can't speak to it. But since I've been aware of kind of the Saints secondaries, you know, this, I don't recall seeing one this dominant and this, this deep for where you have, you know, you, you have an argument that you have the top cornerback in the NFL. There's an argument that you're never going to get a real answer, but the fact that you can make the argument in terms of Marshawn Lattimore, and you know, that's all you have to say. Like you have arguably the top cornerback in the NFL. You know, the saying is like, he's top two, but he's not two, you know, that sort of thing. And you know, the evidence bears it out and he shows up in the primetime matchups. He locks up the star corners and that's what you have on the outside. On the other side, you have a, a, a guy in Paulson Diva who is coming into his own in year two, really impressive. I have questions about whether he can be as physical as he's been once flags start flying. And I Correct. think he's going to have yeah. to scale it back a little bit, but you want him to be physical and rein it in. You don't want him to be playing scared. And the fact is physicality is allowed in, in big games, you know, and like, it, once you get to the more serious games, that's when the physicality gets let go a little bit more. And that's where you want to win games. And I'm perfectly okay with him making receivers feel him downfield. You have a premium draft pick spent on a rookie second round pick. And that's where I think you start to weigh the equation of you didn't bring in Alante Taylor just as a special teamer. And I know that was kind of the thing early on of, oh, we, they brought him in because they love him on special teams. Well, Not they a do love round him pick. Teams. But I do think that I think that you make that pick because you 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 see a future where you might not be able to retain CJ. Sure. And and they they also extended Bradley Roby, who got a lot of work in the slot last year when CJ was hurt. And that's exactly if if you have an issue where all of a sudden you don't have a CJ, I totally would have Roby in the slot easily. I mean, I actually don't think that Roby profiles as a slot corner. I think that he's an outside corner and. Yeah, I think Alante is probably the guy that you want to throw in the slot. 
Um, but either way, you're you setting would, up a scenario where Lattimore, Adebo, and Roby out there together. Well, I think Roby would be the the CB three, and you'd want to put Alante in the slot. But right now, you don't have to worry about that, and you want Alante to be able to play on the outside. And and that's where the positional specificity of CJ comes into play, right? If you think that Alante can be a stud slot corner, and also go outside and play outside if you need it, then I think that's that's where you want um, a guy like that to be. Whereas if you're paying top dollar for CJ, you know that he's going to play in the slot and he's not going to go outside. And this is a team that really likes to move pieces around. That's where I see that the difficulty being when you're trying to convince yourself, okay, we should pay $15 million a season uh, for this guy. But I do think that CJ is vitally important to this defense. So I think you have to try. I think you have to try to pay him. And it's going to be a question of, whether this whether the team is able to offer a deal that makes CJ say, you know what, this is enough and I want to be here, but I don't think that you can break the bank. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm just looking at I'm some contracts of some quote unquote slot corners. And you I'm just seeing Mike Hilton here, four years, 24 million. Uh, yeah, but I mean Mike Hilton is not nowhere near the level of CJ. You know, a Chris Harris would be a good example. Yeah, he was one of the top, top slot right. corners. He signed a two-year, $17 million deal in 2020. Okay. His contract before that was one year, $12 million. He had a five-year, $42 million. And But these are old contracts, so the scale's going up. So, I mean, I think, yeah, you're, I, I think you're looking at somewhere between 10 to man. 15 annually in terms, of, in terms of what you're paying. And, you know, I think the Saints cap table is getting a little more manageable, so I think you can start to massage it a little bit. Um, and we've seen the Saints be able to to create the space when they need to. It's just a question of whether they feel like they need to. Yeah, and it's hard to, to see a guy – it would be hard to see a guy like Gardner Johnson all of a sudden, you know, obviously on the other side because of you, – you know that passion, that energy – and just the overall skill he's bringing to your, the to the defense, and you know, you, you even brought up last, last season. Uh, I loved your tweet, and I blame you, I think, for C.J. Gardner Johnson deciding to hold out for pointing out that the Saints lost every single game that he didn't play in last year. It, they sure did. I think he brought that immediately to his agent and said, "Yo," <laughs> and and brought it to the Saints. Because he retweeted you too. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Almost immediately. It was like within like ten minutes. Oh, <laughs> I always, I always appreciate that. And I, I, I don't. I feel like if I ran into Mickey Loomis in the hallway, he'd like slap me. Right. Exactly. Like a little trip or something. <laughs> because, but it, but it's like it is evidence. I mean, if you're trying to convince this team that you need me, you need to pay me. You know, just that's you don't really have to go much deeper than that. I mean, obviously there are stats you can look at. There's, you know, the fact that he's intercepted Tom Brady twice last season, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, he's always, always there, always being a pest, always locking people up, you know, outside of Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin ate his lunch a little bit, but outside of that, I don't think he got cooked by nearly anybody. Um, and yeah, you look at, it, it's like, Hey, you went, this team went nine and eight last year in the games I played in, we were nine and three, you know, and, and those fun. games were obviously, um, the games they lost were the Panthers week two. He didn't play the uh, 
and and one of those losses was the Falcons game. He didn't play in the second half. So realistically, you could say they were nine and two, or they because he didn't play in the second half. But you give him the three there. So it's the Falcons game that they lost. Then the games he didn't play in were uh, Eagles, Bills, Cowboys, and Titans. Eagles, Bills, Cowboys, and Titans. Now the counter argument to that is: Do the Saints win those games even if he's there? And I don't think they do. I think they probably beat the Eagle, the Falcons if he plays in the second half. I think that was an impact for that game, definitely. I think that they maybe beat the Titans because that was a very close game that was that, you know, one one key player being out might have swung the result. The Eagles game, no. The Bills game, no. Cowboys game, maybe. I mean, that's Panthers so hard two, though, just because what, what, no what, way what, what if he was able to, that to cause a turnover in the Eagles game and that completely flipped everything? I mean, I know that's... The fact is Trevor Simeon was not winning that game. <laughs> no no faith in, in Simeon against... Not in that Bay. game. Yeah, I watched it. But like week two, you're telling me CJ being there, all of a sudden the offensive line can block? No. I mean, so it's a stat, but it's... And it's a stat he will use, I guarantee it. Uh, but it's, it's, it's not nearly as... as I think the points per game is more is more telling, which I think they allowed twice as many points per game in the games he was out. So that's that's a number. And you know, I think that I don't think we even need to go that deep. I think we can all watch these games and see his impact and see not just the 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 action he's providing on the field, but the, the energy he's providing on the field and the energy he's sopping away from the other team by just taking them completely off their game and. And, that, and that's a great point. And that energy obviously fuels the rest of the team too. They, they feed off of that. Yeah. And I appreciate the way he's going about this because he could have held out. It would have cost him some money. Um, but he showed up. He showed that he's here. He intercepted Jameis. <laughs> and then, then he, and then took he a break. went to Clinton and said, hey, okay, you saw what I got. And, you know, he wants this team to be successful. He wants to be here and he wants to get paid while he's doing it. And, you know, if, if you can find a way to do it, I'd do it. You know, the question is, would you break the bank to keep CJ? I've told you all the reasons why you shouldn't. I mean, so so breaking the bank is 12 million a year? Yes. To me, that's to me 12, 12 to 15 million annually, three-year deal. So you're talking three years, 38, give or take. I'm doing it. 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 Uh, I mean, sure, if you, you just write the checks. We, we've got, yeah, we're writing the checks for for the team, but I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people that they obviously have to extend. And for me, I would want to go for the center, Eric McCoy, before I would lock up CJ currently. Uh, I think that I would, I would like to get a deal done with McCoy before getting into this season, just to, to get him hammered in. I think, yeah, the, the one thing we didn't mention is, you know, one of the issues of extending CJ now is – I think there's still a lot of questions of, you know, where the ceiling is of this team and you, you want to commit to it and you want to, and you want to say this team can win as it's structured, but until you see it happen, there is some, there is some doubt there. And there is some doubt in, you know, Jameis as a long-term option, you know, whether you believe in him, whether you don't, you know, we haven't gotten a chance to see him for an entire season and, there's still a lot he he needs to show and committing to it, committing to a major new contract before this season is tough. But if you don't, and it comes at the expense of a guy who uh, is usually working for you in now uh, this mental ninja 
is is disgruntled in a locker room and and unhappy and not being his normal self. And I think that he could have just as negative effect if you do him dirty <laughs> and you don't and you don't give him the respect he has earned. <laughs> and I don't want to deal with that. And if it's like if it's just a deal of like, hey, we don't want to be restructuring all these contracts every year, but we can. And uh, that's what we have to do to make sure we can pay CJ. Then you do it. Just do it. See, as, as, as brash and outspoken as he is, I, I don't know if he would be that problem for the team in the locker room. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, Not if he's making money. Yeah. I think even if there's going to be that ongoing strife between the teams while trying to get something done, I don't, I don't think he's going to be happy talking to us, but I don't think he's going to be an issue on the field for his performance or in the locker room with his teammates. I don't know. But as as T Dirty Zero Zero puts it, Loomis moves money around like a U-Haul and not wrong. Let's let's go through here. Uh, let's just go through what what some of the people are saying. So yeah, thirty thirty three years, thirty million. Yeah, somewhere in that range. You know, you're going ten mil plus. I don't think you need to go top end cornerback range, but I think you're going ten mil plus, and I think that's fair. Just yeah, for- yeah. And every year the cap goes up a little bit, so you you know, it helps you in that regard. But you know, it's it's a question of whether you're you're capping it this year and. And that's just what you got to figure out. You got you got Roby coming up on a at the end of his deal as well too, right? Well, they extended him, so it, that's a question. And I, I think you can. That's the thing. I think that the Saints are playing. The Saints don't want to extend him. I think the Saints would be willing to pay him in free agency, but they don't want to um, negotiate against themselves, which is what you would have to do to extend him before the season, because he's going to tell you what his value is because he knows what he thinks his value is. He's the top slot corner in the NFL. He's going to tell you that he's going to tell you, this is what the top slot corner in the NFL is going to get paid. And this is what you're going to pay me. And the Saints are going to be like, but I don't think that's what your market is. I don't think that you're going to hit free agency and you're going to get this, this deal you're looking for. And so that's, that's the negotiating kind of landlock you are in. And the Saints are probably going to have to pay more than they think they have to. And they're going to have to do it now. And they're going to have to commit money that might be, that might be, you know, poorly allocated down the road. If things don't go the way you, if if things don't hit the ceiling you want. And that's, that's the question. But like I said, I've been arguing against, I'm negotiating against myself. I'm paying the guy. If I hold the purse strings, what are you doing? I mean, I, I would I would love to retain him obviously, but that that ten million even a year just, just seems it seems pretty steep. Uh, I, I love his ball skills, I love the attitude, but I, I as not a, a guy that's not going to be playing outside. I don't know if I can be playing him twelve mil a year. Well, and here's 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 if we're breaking the bank, so we got Millie two Millie two will chimes in twenty two mil a year. You know, if that's the number, if that's what you're going for, no way. No way in hell. I'm sorry. I, I, I love CJ. I think CJ is a great player. You're not paying. A, again, we're not talking about an outside corner. You're not talking about a guy who can move around. You are talking about a slot corner, and you are not paying that guy $22 million a year. There's no way. Um, they, even if he is the top slot corner. I don't think the top slot corner makes that much. But I, I that's, could- that's where I'm landing. See, you mentioned him hitting free agency, and that there could be that danger too, obviously, of a team becoming so enamored with the personality and what they've seen from him 
and how he can sway games with with his trash talk, with his instigating, and brings that kind of mentality and attitude boosting the rest of the team around him. Some there are there I could see someone actually willing to overspend on him. I just don't know if the Saints team can. Yeah, there's always someone willing to pay too much. Right. There's always the Jaguars. But that's the thing. I don't think CJ wants to end up in a bad situation, right? And that's the that's the that's what the Saints are going to argue. Like well, hey, I guess that's everybody. Do you want to get paid or do you want to stick with a good team? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what the Saints that's what the Saints always argue. That's why they never pay Although, although I thought Trey Hendrickson, I was like there's no way he's going to do he's not going to have success in Cincinnati and look what happened. Well, he balled out. You know, he had what 13 sacks that final season and that's where you end up. And yeah, yeah for so, some reason he was never be able to stay healthy here though. I mean, the Saints let Trey walk. Saints let Marcus Williams walk. And that's the, this kind of the era we're in in the NFL is guys don't want to play out that final season. And I don't blame them because you take that knee and you blow it up. And suddenly that 10 million, that 12 million is uh. is gone. And and that's always the difficult part. But Steve, I need you to answer 12 to 15 million. Are you paying CJ like three years, 38 million dollars? No, because I think there's other – I have depth enough at this – I'm going to say, secondary. no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to get mad. No, I'm just GK saying might. that. I, 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 I know he will. He's going to hate this. Uh, I'm sure he's listening right now. He's, he's tuned in. But I just think that there's so much other places like along the defensive line and the offensive line where I need to lock some guys up. And I mentioned McCoy. He, he's definitely someone I'm th- I would want to extend before this season, before I'm thinking about – Gardner Johnson at this time because of the depth, the versatility in that secondary. Yeah. And and we're going to go back and like that draft didn't have Saints didn't have a first round pick. The fact that we are talking about Eric McCoy and CJ Gardner Johnson and how much you're going to have to pay them. What a great draft. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a bit we, solid. It, they didn't have a, a first round pick and they still found these gems and you know, that's a good problem to have. So hopefully, hopefully this all gets sorted out. I think that's where we'll leave it. On this episode of Inside Black and Gold, make sure to hit the subscribe button. Make sure to let us know what you think of the show. Follow Steve on Twitter at SteveGellerWWL. Follow myself, yours truly, at Jeff underscore Noah. Check out WWL.com, AM, FM, and the Odyssey app. Saturday pregame show, 3 o'clock, WWL. WWL.